This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix. You're stuck for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Monica. How's life on Elysium? God, I wish I was in Elysium. <laughs> that is the life. A life I'll probably never know <laughs> as a film critic. <laughs> on Elysium, everything's free. On Elysium, so is medical care, <laughs> which cures everything. On Elysium, everybody's beautiful. Can Elysium be like the, the Chuck Norris of destinations? What does that mean? <laughs> so it's like, you know, the superlative of whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the most magical place on Earth. There's actually an Elysium Disney World, we just didn't get to that sector. Oh, okay, okay. When you compared Elysium to Chuck Norris, I was like, oh, I get it. So what you're saying is that ultimately, Elysium will just roundhouse kick you in the face. That and it's also Republican. <laughs> Oh, this is episode number 61 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Elysium. If you're new to the show, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio, focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and usually each week we release each episode in two parts, a spoiler-free segment and a spoiler-filled segment. This week, however, due to time constraints, we're just going to release one episode. We are really briefly going to give some spoiler-free general impressions on the movie and let you know whether or not we think it's worth your time to check out in theaters, but most of our time is going to be spent really diving into spoilers, because I think there's a lot to talk about in this movie. So just be aware that this is not a normally formatted episode. This week, we're going to be talking about Elysium. Monica, why don't you give our listeners a little information about the movie? Because I know several people, it seems like every time I, I told someone I was going to see Elysium, they were like, what's that? And then when I described the plot to them, they were like, oh, that one. Yeah, I think I've seen the trailers for that one. So people have heard of it, but it hasn't really stuck out in most people's minds, from what I can gather. I can't wait to hear all the different mispronunciations of when people go to the box office and ask, Uh, I want that e-movie ticket. Uh, I did hear someone say Elysium. Elysium, yeah. But anyways, the movie was directed by Neil Blomkamp in the year 2154. Rich people live on a space station called Elysium where their every need is tended to. Meanwhile, back on Earth, everyone else struggles to survive. Max, played by Matt Damon, makes a living working in a weapons factory. But when a workplace accident gives him five days to live, he vows to go to Elysium no matter what it takes. Here's a clip. Hello? Uh, before we start, I'd just like to explain... Max DeCosta, violation of Penal Code 2219, today at bus stop 34B. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. You see, I believe there's been a misunderstanding. Immediate extension of parole by a further eight months. Wait, what? No, 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 no. I can explain what happened. I just made a joke, and, uh, you know... Stop talking. Elevation and heart rate detected. Would you like a pill? No. Thank you. What I'd like to do is explain Stop talking. Personality matrix suggests a 78.3% <laughs> chance of regression to old behavior patterns. Grand Theft Auto. 
Assault with a deadly weapon, resisting arrest. Would you like to talk to a human? No, I am okay. Thank you. Are you being sarcastic and or abusive? Negative. Okay, Monica, this is a pretty highly anticipated film, at least in movie circles, I feel like, because it's the sophomore feature film from director Neil Blomkamp, who made District 9 a few years ago, which was a pretty big success, both in terms of box office and critically. I feel like people really sat up and were like, hey, this is a really cool movie that's well-directed by this guy we've never heard of, and he did a lot on a pretty low budget. Do you think he succeeds with Elysium? I think he did a very good job with Elysium. I enjoyed it. I thought the world that he created and the analogy on immigration was really interesting to watch and see how that plays out, as well as I thought the actors were pretty good and the characters were at least to me, interesting to watch, even if some of them on the sides were definitely your regular sort of tropes or whatnot. I would say that the character development in terms for the lead, uh, for Matt Damon's character, Max, uh, does kind of take a back seat in the second half, but for the most part, I really enjoyed it. But I think you didn't, from what I could tell, or at least not as much as I did. I'm happy with my silly little sci-fi movie. And the fact that it returns to the whole using sci-fi as an analogy for greater problems in humanity sort of thing. Well, that's the thing, Monica. This movie should be, like, my favorite movie. Sorry, that's The Purge now, okay? There's nothing topping that. I got it. I got it. (laughs) Everything that this movie is about is right up my alley, okay? This is a movie about class warfare, it's a movie about immigration and healthcare and all these different political issues, using this sci-fi premise to explore those, and I think that's great. And for the first half, I was really enjoying this movie. I was really into uh, the allegory, I was liking how it was developing the main character, Max and all the different parties involved in what's basically class warfare. Yeah, it's complete where he kind of played with apartheid in District 9. Now he completely puts the rich and the poor on different planets, essentially. Well, one on a planet, one in a super expensive space station. I I should really love this tale of the 99% rising up against the 1%, but the second half of this movie, Monica, is so bad. It just starts going downhill and then just kind of snowballs. I mean, the, the the last act of this movie, there's just nothing going on outside of random action involving characters we don't really understand. And it seems like the focus of the film goes from being, what is this about? And what are we trying to say? Mm-hmm. To just, what looks cool? And It just, it really, really didn't work for me. I think the second half is probably so bad it retroactively ruins the first. I will, I will say the character of Charlto Copley, uh, his character Kruger is probably a little too much. So I could see where you're coming from there, but it didn't feel like it spun out of control as bad as, say, last week's Wolverine. Oh, see, I think whereas Wolverine was poorly structured, and I think that accounted for a lot of its problems. I can't figure out what they're trying to do in the second half of Elysium. And you brought up Charlton Copley's character. He was the star of District 9, and here he's playing one Mm -hmm. of the uh, primary villains 
of the film. And he is chewing the scenery and having a great time. And I loved his performance, even though most of the time I couldn't understand what he was saying due to his <laughs> thick accent. So I thought he was giving a great performance. I just thought there was nothing to his character, especially in the second half. His character went through so many transformations between scenes with no explanation that I couldn't figure out what his goals were. Yeah, I'm a little confused in general. Yeah. It could have done without him, or at least focusing so much of the movie on him, and it could have been shorter. And speaking of accents, a lot of people have been criticizing Jodie Foster's accent because she uh-huh. plays another one of the main films. No, I loved film. her character. I thought she was great. I don't know what that accent was she was doing either, but I totally thought it worked and communicated the fact that she's this wealthy, sophisticated individual living on Elysium who also sounds kind of robotic at times and mechanical and somewhat sinister. I thought she was great. Overall, the performances in this movie, I think, are fine. They're good. But it's just the, the second half of the movie, the, the script, it, it, it felt to me like they went into this movie with half a script and then when they got to the halfway point, they realized, oh no, we don't have a script. So they started cobbling together pieces from earlier drafts that really didn't mesh here. Yeah, it just really left me with a sour taste in my mouth. I'd love to dig into what you think those different pieces were. Okay. So let's get into that. Let's do it. All right. Well, overall, would you recommend that people check out Elysium? Yes, I would, because I'm sure it beats the hell out of planes. (laughs) I would say go watch District 9 again. Stay home. Avoid Elysium. That's how much I disliked the second half of this movie. I guess I have a high threshold for suspensive belief. Maybe. I don't know. I guess I just like to understand what my characters are doing. All right, let's let's talk about this. Here be spoilers. All right, let's move on to the spoiler-filled part of our discussion. If you have not seen Elysium, stop listening now. We are going to talk about everything, including the ending and things that haven't been in the trailers. If you don't want us to ruin the movie, stop listening now. Before we really dive into things, though, here's another clip. warning didn't work. What do you want us to do, ma'am? Activate crew level. Agent 32 Alpha, we are sending a packet over. Welcome, Agent Kruger. 10,000 kilometers and closing. Shoot them down. If the movie works for you, I'm glad it works for you, and I'm glad you liked it. It did. <laughs> I just think you're wrong. Okay, so why So why am I wrong? I will admit it is not the smoothest science fiction film of the summer. I think Pacific Rim does a little better job of containing so many different characters and one story. Because it does feel like it, it's a little uneven in terms of just it's starting to sprawl, sprawl out too much. 
Well, let me put it this way. I think Oblivion and After Earth are both better movies no. than Elysium. No. Although you liked After Earth, so listeners take that with that, a grain of salt, all right? I didn't love After Earth, but I thought it was okay. That's more than what most people gave it. I know. But see, again, Elysium just gave me whiplash because I was really, really enjoying it for the first half, and then the second half just became so bad. You still haven't said what makes it bad. Start going into it. Everything, Monica. Name an element of this film, and I will gladly expound on it. Like I said, I had a bit of trouble. I mean, I kind of mentioned Kruger's character. He just seemed... They spent way too much time on him. And he really should just be almost like a stock character. We already know what he's about. He's a bad guy. He's psychotic. He's crazy. You know, he can turn on any minute. All right, that's great. And then all of a sudden, we joined the manhunt with him against Matt Damon. And that spends a lot of time in order to follow that along. I didn't have a problem with his character at the beginning. He's basically just this undercover agent working for Jodie Foster. He's kind of this crazy, violent person. But I got the impression, at least in the first half, he's just doing his job. He just wants to be employed. When he uh, has all of his credentials removed or whatever, he gets really upset. I was trying to figure out the one piece of information I would have liked to have known that they never really clarified. Is he technically... A citizen of Elysium. Yeah, because he was able to get the treatment for his face when it gets blown off. Well, right. And that's what kind of confused me, because up until then, I did not think he was a citizen of Elysium. I thought he was just some guy on Earth that they had hired. And I was was confused, like, wait, does he get this health care because he's employed? Also, I didn't think he would survive that. There's a lot of medical things that you just have to assume it's magic. Well, you're right. That doesn't make sense, the fact that he can get half of his face blown off and come back. I thought that scene was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when it rebuilds his face. It's kind of gruesome, yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, that is so cool. I agree with you, though. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I guess th- they mentioned something about his brain being okay. Yeah. So maybe his brain wasn't dead. It was just in shock. I, I-, I don't know. They used to keep the heart pumping to get the blood and oxygen to the brain so the brain doesn't die because right. when you have brain failure, then it just becomes the other vital organs that has to live on in a machine. Those medical bays, those are just magic. I just took it as they were magical because they could cure anything and everything within 30 seconds. The time it takes for you to download this podcast, <laughs> you could have cured cancer, man. Right. For me, actually, the scene where he gets his face blown off is where the movie starts to go off the rails. Because it's a really cool moment. It just felt kind of out of nowhere. But that's not half the movie. That's almost well into the end. No. There's a lot of movie after that point. It's not more than an hour. It's around an hour, I would say. I would guess. For the whole chase sequence around town? Because he sends Faye to get going to the med bay shortly thereafter, after he rescues her. Because uh, Kruger's character heads off in the wrong direction. Matt Damon, uh, Max, runs into the other two guys. No, I'm saying the scene before they even fully arrive at Elysium where they fight and the grenade goes off and Kruger gets his face blown off. That's right before they're allowed, they're about to land. Yes. So that's still latter half of maybe middle. Yeah, latter half of the middle, sure. I would say the middle begins with, 
I don't know, uh, maybe when Matt Damon's character comes in contact with Diego Luna's character, Julio, and the underground um, smuggler's den or so. All that stuff happens in, like, the first half of the movie when they're trying to... Oh, yeah, it's definitely the first half, but I'm saying beginning, middle, and end. Bottom line, I would guess there's a good 40, 45 minutes that I really did not enjoy in this movie. Um, So basically, you didn't enjoy Elysium, the part of Elysium on Elysium. Yes. And here's where it starts to go off the rails for me. Up until this point, all we know is that Matt Damon has this special information in his brain that could totally change everything. Everybody wants it. Again, I'm totally fine with this premise. I love the first half of the movie. William Fickner is amazing, as usual. I'm totally on board. But we're led to believe that Charlton Copley's character, Kruger, wants this information to himself. So before they land on Elysium, he suddenly turns on Matt Damon out of nowhere Mm -hmm. to try and get the info. And I was just thinking, wait, if you want the info... Why didn't you just have this little confrontation on Earth? Because then he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to go back to Elysium. The thing with him is he wanted to set up sort of like a military dictatorship. So in order for him to do that, he wouldn't have to be have like shot down on the way over to Elysium. So he still had to play play it cool. No, no, no. He didn't want to start a military dictatorship. We don't know what he wanted. So Jodie Foster sent him first. He found out what the information was about, saw that it could reboot the system, and he's like, I'm going to take it. Well, all we really know from him is that, obviously, he wants to be one of the elite. No, he wants the power. Right, but we don't know what form that's going to take. Jodie Foster's also basically going to enact a military dictatorship. That's her goal, because she wants the authority to act however she wants to. So either Kruger could be his own boss, or he could be the henchman of Jodie Foster's character. Obviously, he decided to be his own boss. Right. What I'm saying is that sudden decision to, oh, we're almost at Elysium, so now I'm going to attack Matt Damon for some reason. It just felt really chaotic to me. I didn't like how the scene was directed. The the moment where he gets his face blown off mm-hmm. kind of just happens, and there's no real emphasis on it, and I just didn't feel like the scene flowed very well. I, w- I was just thinking to myself, yeah, shaky cam. Yeah, I, I was just thinking to myself, this moment needs to be really impactful, and the audience really needs to feel like this was a major confrontation that was inevitably going to happen, and now Matt Damon has won. And also, that would make the surprise when Kruger comes back later even better. So it just w- it wasn't a well-directed scene. And then every- everything with Kruger, once they get to Elysium, is just totally messed up. So, exactly my point, that this guy is a kind of a major problem. Yeah, it's like, suddenly he goes from wanting to get this information to himself to wanting to kill Matt Damon, so I guess no one gets it, and suddenly he has all the uh, mechanical stuff in his body, Mm -hmm. like Matt Damon does, and I was like, wait, when did that happen? Did I miss that scene? Yeah, you must have blinked, because they definitely had a scene where they were drilling stuff into him. I I got that they were performing surgery and stuff on him, but I don't know. I just didn't put it together that they were turning him into what Matt Damon basically was. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why he would need that, really, because Matt Damon is only that way, because he's he's about to die. He has five days to live. Because then it also gives Matt Damon the ability to 
kick ass really well, so he was just going to up the ante. Well, then why doesn't everyone do that then? Because it requires you melding an aluminum or some sort of metalloid exoskeleton to you. It doesn't look like it's a pleasant experience. I know, but I just figured if this was something that would magically make you super strong and powerful, that all hardcore soldier and military types might go for it. But it doesn't look like it's widely available, because on Earth, this was like the last one that the guy Julio had just like in his junk shop. So even on Elysium, it doesn't look like there's a lot of fighting going on. It's more just like defense. So not everybody needs to be half man, half cyborg. Or just a cyborg. (laughs) Well, they meld him together with what looks to be pieces of security droids. And I was thinking, well, wait, there's plenty of those on Earth. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of those on Elysium. Surely, if this was a really big thing that could help people, they would do it. Yeah, okay, so that's what it was. So they relegated all the silly cop work and the robots. So then why would you go through that painful process or putting another person through that process? If your life sucks and you want to suddenly be super strong... But remember, this technology was not widely available on Earth. This was something that a smuggler had. It's not widely... There's only one guy who has it. There's the only example that we see on Earth on it. Which strikes me as bullshit, okay? Because maybe it's some ancient technology. It's like an, it's like vintage. No, no, no. Here's what I'm saying. There's droids everywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it would be that hard to get the parts for it. I got the impression that the only reason they did it to mm-hmm. Matt Damon was because he was dying, and that this was sort of like a last ditch effort to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. And then for Charlton Copley to suddenly be like. Oh, I can use this to my advantage and suddenly be super strong. I was just thinking, shouldn't most people have already thought of that if there were no negative side effects really to this beyond the fact it's a painful procedure? It was was just bizarre to me where suddenly Kruger goes from, I need this information to, I want to be a robot too and kill you. I think it's, I need this information and I'm going to pry it from his cold dead hands. But he can't really kill him because then he couldn't get the information. So he has to restrain the guy in order to get the information. So he needs to be as strong as he is in order to get that. Right, but at the end, he's not trying to restrain Matt Damon. He's trying to kill Matt Damon. And I was like, why? When did you make this switch from, I want that information to, I want to kill you? Fun thing about psychopaths, they're not always logical. Well, well, that's the only thing I could assume. I, I could only assume, oh, somehow... He's finally, he's just done with that. When his face was reconstructed, he was really pissed off, and now was like, just screw it. Suddenly, all of his motivations changed. Was he trying to kill him, or trying to hurt him so badly to... In- capacitate him. It looked to me like it, it was a fight to the death, which I don't mind it if Charlton Copley's character suddenly becomes the primary villain. Because, again, I think he gives a great performance, he really chews the scenery, I think he could be an intimidating villain. I just want his motivation to make sense. I want to be able to understand what he wants, and it to not just be like this stereotypical Hollywood ending. I, I, it felt like studio executives had totally rewritten the script and were like, oh, well, Matt Damon's a robot, so make this guy a robot. Oh, and have him shout one-liners and stuff during the whole fight, because that's what people want. I don't know. It made sense to me. Maybe I have a much more criminal mind than you do. I understand villains. Maybe you're just psychotic, so you don't need motivation. You're like, all right, you want to kill Matt Damon? I get you. Go for it. Go for it. He can dance as well as Channing Tatum. 
off with his head. It was a little bit disappointing to me that he became the primary villain, though, just because Jodie Foster, I thought, was a really compelling screen presence. And her death scene, I thought, was fascinating Mm -hmm. and a really great moment. Yes. It just did not feel developed or earned in any way, where she gets stabbed in the throat and then she tells Frey to stop trying to heal her. Mm -hmm. Almost as if she wants to die. The shame is too great. I think it was more having to do with defeat. See, I didn't get that at all. I just figured, I interpreted it as, oh, maybe being immortal and living forever isn't all it's cracked up to be, and she's just kind of ready to die. I thought because she was, you know, I'm assuming like the way of the warrior, she allows herself to go because she had lost. Maybe. And I thought that was like a really meaningful moment. She's like, she's accepting defeat. I didn't really feel like, I I don't feel like either of those interpretations is earned, though. There's nothing really to lead up to that. Well, she can't really talk or say much. She is bleeding from the throat. Well, right, but assuming someone gets her to a med bay, she could live. But they didn't because she died in a closet because that's where the guys threw her. The impression I got was Frey is here trying to do what she can. She's putting pressure on the wound to try and stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, hey, maybe they could at least uh, keep her alive long enough to get her to a med bay. You never know. And then when she just tells Frey to stop, I was just kind of like, okay, that's a really, really interesting character moment right there. It just doesn't feel connected to the rest of the movie. Oh, I thought it was more about her character development to show more where her mind's at. The zero-sum game she was on. I didn't feel like that decision came organically from anything we had seen before. I thought it was a great scene and an interesting moment that just didn't feel connected to the first half of the movie. She's not as cowardly as we might have thought her to be doing everything covert and that kind of thing. I guess. So it's like a really slimy move to go and stage a coup. (laughs) Speaking of the whole coup thing, I thought it was interesting how 150 years in the future, there is no democracy, I guess. It's all done by computers. Is that Uh, how it works? I thought they still called him president. Well, yeah, they do, but... I didn't get the impression he was necessarily elected because just by, quote-unquote, rebooting the system, new people will be put in power. So just by changing a line of code... I don't think it was in power. I think it was citizenship. So, like, imagine if our computers, quote-unquote, were rebooted and all of a sudden every citizen of the world just became an American citizen in our system... Well, yeah, that's that's what Matt Damon ultimately decides to do, and it's you know it's this whole immigration allegory and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I think that was the allegory. Is then how would you then go through and decide where are people citizens or not, and that sort of thing? Well, yeah, the movie's an allegory of several things. <laughs> it's really trying to hammer it in, uh, but but in terms of Jodie Foster's character and what she wants, mm-hmm. she wants to be in power. She doesn't like how the president is constantly undermining her and how she wants to uh, take care of these illegals that keep trying to sneak on. She wants the freedom to do whatever mm-hmm. she wants to do. So it's basically a coup. And somehow just by switching this line of code, the government will be overthrown and she'll be placed in charge. I was under the impression that it would also... Because their their goal is not to put every citizen of Earth... Uh, make him a citizen in Elysium. Her goal right. was to reprogram the robots, essentially the cops and the army, to make sure that this problem never be- 
never happens again. So maybe establishing a military dictatorship on Earth. I was kind of thinking of it as like a RoboCop sort of situation where the robot cop that gets evil or whatnot, maybe Terminator more so. I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> this RoboCop stuff. Sorry, okay, so it's using the robots to take over the to take the power. So she was going to reprogram the robots to make the standing president stand down. Is that what was going to happen, the, the robots? That was my understanding gonna... because she was talking to the guy who programs the robots. Well, I got the impression he just kind of programs everything on Elysium. Yeah, who happens to also contract the robots. Well, yeah, but, but like, okay, for example, at the end, the line of code that they changed to make everyone citizens has nothing to do with the robots. It's just a line of code yeah. related to citizenship. There's probably, I mean, there's probably layers of code in there, so that's what they changed. That was the access, the key that they got from his head was how to access the mainframe, and then they, you can edit. Right. Like a CSS document. Right, so I got the impression... There was nothing involving the robots here. I got the impression she just wanted to go in and change the line of code from president, from Pratel, to yeah. her. And that was what she wanted to do. And then suddenly that would magically make her president. And I'm like, okay. So your entire government can be... Computer-based. ...overthrown by changing the line of code. Man, they should really be working on hacking that system, not sending people over. Yeah, seriously. All right, let's talk about some of this allegory stuff. I know you've got to go soon. I was totally on board for this for the first half of the movie. It's all about how the 99% is awesome <laughs> and it's all about immigration and how we need to be more forgiving of undocumented workers. And it's really at the end of the day, Monica, isn't it really all about Obamacare or at least the idea of universal health care and how everyone needs access to it? It's about sharing. Yes. It's about how it's not fair that rich people have access to better health care than the poor, and the poor are left to suffer or and get die. blown up in space. So I was on board with the movie wanting to explore those ideas. I just hate how they ultimately choose to uh, resolve them. How so? What would you have liked to have seen? Maybe this could be your reboot this. Well, okay, the entire second half of the movie doesn't really seem to be delving into those ideas much at all. It just becomes an action crazy, film. random yeah. action movie. Yeah, which was really disappointing. I'll tell you the, mo the moment at the very end when everything's supposedly really triumphant uh -huh. that made me really hate this movie. Okay. Because this is a movie that's supposedly all about this, syst this systemic imbalance between the rich and the poor. At the very end, they change a line of code, everyone is made a citizen, and all of a sudden, the robots come online and are like, we're delivering medical supplies all over Earth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that the medicine and the procedures to heal everybody on the entire planet were there the entire time, and that... The people in Elysium just weren't giving them to Earth to be dicks about it? Or, you know... Yeah, like... have you met Donald Trump? <laughs> that's what I assume Elysium just... is full of. I'm guessing that's like top 1% of the world is on their own little private island. They're not going to share. The impression I had for most of the movie was, yes, if you're, if you're rich enough to afford it, you can have this medical Everything. attention. If you're a citizen and you come here, you can have this treatment. Mm -hmm. The ending suddenly takes that and transforms it into, well, you could have had that all along 
we're just keeping it here because we're selfish, greedy bastards. We have enough to go around. We just don't want you to have it because we're mean, if that makes sense. And that that just really struck me the wrong way because suddenly it went from being about how there's these systemic issues that are at the root of the problem and bureaucracy and money have ruined things to just being, well, rich people are dicks and that's the problem. No, it could be, uh, you know, just bureaucracy and other things that are in the way if indeed Elysium is supposed to be some sort of a stand-in for America, the fact that we do have these life-saving procedures right in hospitals and we can't even give them to our own citizens because people can't afford $40,000 quadruple bypass surgery or they can't afford basic nutrition, even though they, they are citizens, it's still a problem. So I think it was more about that. So the universal health care that all of a sudden they just release it all out would be if we got rid of those huge, enormous price tags. That's a good point, Monica. I think what just rubbed me wrong, the wrong way about it was that it suddenly went... It just feels like too easy of a fix. It went from seeming like a systemic issue to an individual issue, like there were people or groups of people... Or a government that was just kind of like, well, we could give this to you, but we won't. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I was just thinking, wait, wait, wait. If they had the resources and all they had to do was hit a button and send robots to Earth to help everyone out, wouldn't that be better for them in the long run and they wouldn't have to deal with all of these issues? Well, yeah. Same way as in America. It'd be a lot better if we didn't have you know, our infant mortality rate rising, and it would be better if we didn't have people dying from cancer because they can't afford treatment. But it doesn't mean that the lobbyists, the pharmaceutical companies, doctors are just all of a sudden going to give up their nice big paychecks. I guess. I don't, I don't know. It was just that last shot of the droids suddenly coming free and being like, well, yay, now we can go deliver to I think uh, it'd be Earth. a lot easier if... Doctors were just replaced with robots, <laughs> and they didn't maybe. have to worry about salaries. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. I, I don't know. I just felt like while this this world and this class divide was interesting, I wanted them to go into a little bit more detail about how exactly things functioned economically and politically, and why, for example, mm -hmm. do the people on Elysium not give health care to the people on Earth? Why? What's stopping them? What are they afraid of? Maybe they don't think the people on Earth deserve it. Maybe they, like modern-day conservatives, think that people just don't work hard enough. Well, well fine. Uh, that would be if I'd be fine with that motivation if they suddenly want to turn this into this Randian view of the future. I just felt like they didn't really get into a reason as to why things were this way. So, okay, the Tea Party went into space and established Elysium. <laughs> and the Democrats were left behind <laughs> with, with the crappy earth <laughs> that the Republicans and major industries ruined after years of neglect and global warming. The end. I guess. It, it, it just the, – the way that they did that at the end just was really weird. I was it just, just seems like a very clean finish for something that's – yeah, like you said, it's a very systemic problem. I was just assuming – oh, everyone's a citizen now, so they can all go to Elysium and get the care they deserve. I mean, I think there's also something to be said about hoarding resources. Like, why do you need a super big mansion with eight cars if there's only one person living there? 
Right. It just seemed like it was mixing its metaphors in a weird way that didn't quite work. Again, I got it. I liked it. I'd recommend it. If the ending had been, yay, we're all citizens, now we can all go to Elysium and get treatment, that would have been fine with me. But to suddenly make it, oh, we've had all of this on Elysium all along, and we've just been hoarding it because we don't like you, was just, uh, I don't know, really, really... Hello, it's the evil 1%. Come on, man. Yes, but the 1% isn't entirely composed of assholes. Maybe maybe they kill off Warren Buffett in the future, and then there's no one else to speak for rich people who think, you know what, maybe I should give some of this away. Bill Gates is not allowed to move up with them. I feel like most rich people feel like, yeah, sure, help the poor. Poor people should get the care they need. I don't feel like rich people are just, you know, have this idea that, oh, we're rich, so we deserve this, and you're biologically inferior to us or something, so you don't. No, they just separate themselves so they never see the problems of the other side, which is what you can say with, like, gated communities and stuff like that. Right, those are those are more abstract abstract institutional problems rather than into in, like an individual collective decision we don't like you so you don't get this yeah i don't think it's anything outright but it's something that it's the omission of that then becomes an issue so so yeah overall i just the second half of this movie really didn't work for me please monica all i want to know is is matt damon the hippo or the meerkat Pretty sure he's the meerkat. Okay, because I thought he was the meerkat, but then my girlfriend explained to me that no, he's the hippo. Because he the people. <laughs> that was, I don't know, I could not figure out what was up with that story. Yeah, that was a really weird, we should all share. Well, she tells him the story, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cheesy, yeah. but they're going to tie it into the class war and getting resources, and Matt, maybe this story will somehow inspire Matt Damon to do mm-hmm. something. And then they don't do anything with it, and then later at the end, he's just like, I get your story. And I'm like, Because I don't. What? <laughs> what, what, it, what do you get? Uh, I thought this, this story was pretty easy to understand. There was a lonely hippo who made friends with the meerkats and helped the meerkats get the I poop. think he was so cynical. People don't help each other. Is that what he was cynical about? I think so, because like, rich people don't care about poor people. So Matt Damon was the meerkat... And then who was the hippo? Because they help themselves. Because the way my girlfriend interpreted it, Matt Damon is the hippo. Ends up becoming the hippo. Yeah, I think it's he ends up being the hippo. Yeah, it, I don't know. It was just yeah, so bizarre to me. That didn't, that didn't quite work out as we thought it did. Well, here's what I was thinking after she told him that story. I was thinking that he would suddenly go to Charlton Copley's character and convince Charlton Copley to help him. No? No. I was thinking he would make Charlotte Copley understand Jodie Foster's character, this bureaucracy, they don't like you, they disembarred you previously, if you work with me, we can change things. That might have been a, a cute ending, but I don't think it fit with Kruger's character. Charlton Hopley would be the hippo that raised up Matt Damon's meerkat to help him get all the food and, and help everyone out. I don't know. I was also thinking he was the meerkat because of his haircut, but oh well. <laughs> so <laughs> that there's could that. be it. <laughs> Or is he a hippo because he's kind of a big guy and has all this cyborg equipment on him now? I don't know. Oh, oh well. Okay. All right. Well, I know you have to go. There's a lot of more stuff I could say about Elysium, but I'll I'll let you go. Bottom line, the second half of this movie was just too messy for me to, to recommend. We should have a Kickstarter to reshoot the second half of this movie. 
just trim, recut or so. You know, what was really sad as well, I think you had also said the action sequences were a little shaky, and I just remembered I saw the Grandmaster from Wong Kar Wai yesterday. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, super controlled camera movement. You could keep track of everyone that was going on, and even if the action sequences were even sped up, because the camera is set on a tripod and he knows how to move with it, you can actually tell what is going on. It just made me really jealous of, why don't people shoot like that anymore? Elysium's weird just because the setting is so similar to District 9, This, this these Dystopian robot suits and droids feel very similar to parts of District 9. The premise of the story is almost ripped exactly from District 9. Well, that one was Apartheid versus, I guess, this is a little bit more focused on, but what about the pores? And it was human against human, which I, I had talked to someone else that actually bothered them. And I'm like, well, because this kind of happens now. Well, right, but in both situations, it's about a guy who has an accident or something happens to him, and, he, uh, and as a yeah. result, he has to change into this other thing yeah. to lead his fight against the system. Um, so it was very similar. For some reason, the action scenes in District 9 just flow. They just they have a much better rhythm to them, whereas in Elysium, I could understand everything that was happening most of the time. I just wasn't... I just didn't feel caught up in it. I just didn't... I was going to say, I don't think you really understood what was going on. You're just like, ah, forget this movie. After halfway through. I understood the choreography. Mm-hmm. I just didn't understand the character motivations all the time, and I didn't feel like they were edited in a way that could really that really pulled me mm. in. So yeah, it was just it was a really weird experience. <laughs> <laughs> you desperately want to reboot this. Yes. Do we have time for that? Like yours. Maybe just yours. Mine would just be I I would be interested to see what happens after in this brave new world. How are we going to deal with every all the 99% over on Earth? And we can get rid of the Jesus character in uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, I, I, I think I would, in this movie, I, w- I would either remake it and reshoot the second half, so Matt Damon and Sheldon Copley team up and take out Jodie Foster together, and then maybe after that, Sheldon Copley betrays him and they have a fight? I don't know. Or I would be like you and do a sequel and try to explore what the fallout is going to be. What happens when millions of undocumented workers... Billions. What happens when billions of people suddenly become citizens? What happens when everyone now suddenly has health care? Is, is life magically better for everyone, or are there other issues that now... Do resources run out? Right, right. Does Elysium give up their resources to everyone? Is Elysium destroyed... Do people still live up there? Or are they all going to come back down to Earth? How's how's it all going to work? Yep. All right. I know that's not a great reboot this, but it's all we have time for right (laughs) now. That'll wrap it up for our episode on Elysium. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing Kick-Ass 2. We would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to us through iTunes, so if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, The Nerdy Projectors, and Avenging Angels. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on Twitter and Tumblr at mcastimovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. And they can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website, at bofca.com. 
You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com, moviemezzanine.com, and now at patheos.com, where I will be covering a few television shows for them. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week being high on cinema and then sticking it to the man, one robot at a time. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!